AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldus.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Welcome to the AI in Action podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kelly, Chief Customer Officer at Aldous International. Today's guest is Oliver Mickler. Oliver is the MD and co-founder of Tailhub. Oliver, very welcome to the show today. Thank you, Mark. Happy to be on your show. Oliver, tell me a little bit about you and your background, and then tell us how Tailhub came about and what is it that you do for people that don't know. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Oliver. I'm one of the founders of Tilhub. I founded the company together with two good old friends of mine in 2016. And before that, I already worked a lot in um, the startup scene, let's say, here in Berlin. Um, Also active as an angel investor. I built up a mobility startup, which was called MyDriver, which eventually was integrated into the Sixth Corporation and is now called Sixth Ride. And then 2016, I took this adventure on with uh, Tim and Frank. And um, what does Tillup do? So Tillup is an iPad-based point-of-sale system for retailers and service businesses. And we made much more of that. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about this later. I think it's good to maybe give a little bit of that overview, but also maybe the overview about what it's like in, in Germany for people that don't necessarily know too much about the environment there. That's, that's actually a very good point, Mark. So um, I think that Germany also compared to other markets is always lagging behind a little bit when it comes to uh, digital solutions, cardless payments, and so on. And what Tillup basically does is that we help SMEs um, to participate at digital solutions because we make it very accessible and easy and affordable for them. And, and you have to imagine that um, a lot of our customers, before they worked with our solution, they did things uh, with pencil and paper or Excel spreadsheets. And our mission is basically to help these retailers get rid of uh, pencil and paper and Excel spreadsheets and have all their processes in place in a digital way using digital tools. And this is why when we say point of sales, what we actually offer goes way beyond the checkout desk in the store. So our system comes with customer relationship management, Um, you can use it for certain marketing activities, you have employee management, you have time tracking, Um, you have online shop integrations, we build a voucher system so you can do something for the loyalty of your customers. Um, And of course, a lot of uh, analytics, so they get real-time analytics and know what products are selling well and which not, and all of this should help them uh, to manage their stores better and be more successful at what they're doing. So tell us a little bit about your journey to how you kind of grew out the project, finding the problem that you were working through. So we were kind of setting the scene about how you could apply machine learning to a, a customer's experience where they, let's say they're running a bakery, for example, and the supply and demand and it's put your finger in the air you don't quite know which way the wind's going to go you know particularly (laughs) in the pandemic it becomes even more challenging yeah definitely definitely so 
Um, Mark, one question for you. Do you like cinnamon buns? I do, I do, and I, I quite like anything with sugar. It, it's, it seems to be a bit, <laughs> it seems to be a bit of a, an issue for me in, term, in terms of this. If, I think there might be like a Chocoholic Anonymous in America. I don't think they have them in Ireland, but I definitely would be on this uh, program if there was. Uh, it seems to be my, my, my kryptonite. <laughs> yeah, so, so I have this favorite place, like if we see each other next time in Berlin, I would love to show you. It's my, my favorite bakery in there just down the street. And they have these amazing cinnamon buns. And I, I have the following problem. Sometimes I get there uh, and they have none. And sometimes I get there and they have way too many. So wouldn't it be amazing if the baker knew exactly how much cinnamon buns uh, he or she should produce? And this is some... Uh, Thing that, that we dug into and uh, worked on a very, very cool sales prediction feature for our product. And um, what, what we are doing there is basically democratizing the, the access to technology that usually only bigger firms like Fortune 500 firms have. Um, they have a lot of money, they have budget, they have data science uh, or data scientists or consulting firms and, and they do exactly this. They, they dig into um, the massive amount of data that companies like, for example, Sara or Walmart or Tesco have and then derive what should we actually order for the next week. Um, our bakery doesn't have this. And um, so, so what do these big firms do or the data scientists consulting these big firms do? They um, configure data pipelines. They look for machine learning models that are working well on, on their problems. Um, basically, the, the process of configuring a data pipeline by preparing the data, selecting the features, uh, validating the models, and this is something that our bakery cannot do. But this changed because uh, technology progresses, and so in order to make this an approach that uh, became a feature in our product, we investigated into meta-automation uh, of data pipelines, which can be done through a genetic model that is called Teapot. Have you heard about Teapot? I haven't. Tell me more. Yeah, so Teapot is actually very exciting. Also, it's open source. Um, you should check it out. There's a very active uh, community on, on GitHub. And I encourage everybody who's interested in machine learning to check it out. So what does Teapot do? Um, Teapot automizes machine learning in the sense that it lets data pipelines compete in an evolutionary fashion to find out what the best configuration of your data pipeline is for a given a train sample and test sample. So in our case, for, for predicting sales, looking at the past sales data. And this includes the entire process, like selecting the features, selecting the models, optimizing the parameters for these models. So instead of actual people who cost a lot of money, we have Teapot finding out what machine learning model is the best to approximate our goal. And this is why we call it a meta model or meta automation. And so let me explain a little bit in a nutshell how Teapot performs its magic. Yeah. So the first population is random. Let's say 100 data pipelines. That's, that's the default. And then within a blink of an eye, TPAD passes on the best performing data pipelines onto the next generation. And then again, test them all over with regard to your data and then pass them on to the next generation. And this process moves on and on and finishes when 
it found the configuration that has the smallest divergence from your goals or our sales data and um, or, or the max number of generations it's reached that you configured beforehand. Yeah? Um, and if it wasn't for this evolutionary model, a computer program could try out millions or billions of combinations of these variables and never stop. And this is why it's so cool because through this genetic algorithm, identifying the optimal variables becomes a finite issue. I think it saves a lot of time and a lot of money and it sounds like it, it sounds like a good um, GitHub community working together. So it's something I'm gonna definitely look into better. Yeah. So you see, you see that I'm very enthusiastic about this. So <laughs> why is this so revolutionary? Um, there are a couple of aspects. The, the process works extremely well um, if you're facing data sets of very very different kinds and origins. So look at Tilhub. Yeah, um, you have very different types of customers. There are hairdressers, there are fashion stores, we talked about the bakeries, and of course they're all subject to very, very different, uh, let's say, impact factors that are in the end variables within our optimization problem. And of course it's not one solution fits all, like if you select one ML model, let's say a certain decision tree model, and apply it to the hairdressers, um, you could not necessarily transfer this to the bakeries, but because we are on a meta level here and Teapot selects all different problems for uh, all different models for different, different data sets and different um, yeah, external conditions, um, we, we skip this, this problem of uh, trying to fit one machine learning uh, model to, to all kinds of problems. And this goes also for uh, not only different businesses, but also the same, same kind of businesses, because also, let's say, the same bakery or same fashion store can, um, uh, let's say, uh, in other words, um, bakeries or fashion stores can be very different from another. Let's say you have a bakery in a business district and a bakery in a residential area. Um, of course, they behave totally differently when it comes to, for example, traffic and um, what type of, I don't know, what, what day of the week it is and so on. So when you look at the different types of customers you have and you, you, you're, trying to, you're trying to help fast track their success while kind of learning from everyone else's learning and standing on the shoulders of giants, you think about the vast majority of data science projects, they don't make it into production and they fail and they fail for a variety of different reasons. What are you noticing in the trends in this area? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we can tell from our own experience, um, there are different aspects to that. You have the planning aspect, you have the data itself, you have priorities in the company. Um, maybe I can walk you through our own pains a little bit. So um, planning a data science project means um, you have a high degree of insecurity. Um, it's totally different than, than planning, for example, just a software development project which is much more predictable in its outcome. Um, one reason for that is that in data science, complexity sort of adds up. You have the implementation complexity, but also you have the analytical uh, complexity and they basically mutually reinforce each other. So they are subject to a power law. It becomes more and more complex because you cannot, cannot really tell if it, if it will work. And um, I maybe won't even have sufficient uh, 
patterns in my data. I cannot tell this in advance. So that's the planning side of things. Then uh, you have the data side of things. I mean, I, I come from the startup environment. Data is often stored inconsistently over time. We refactor our data model in different formats and systems and inconsistent data structures. Um, so this is definitely a barrier to these sort of things. Um, and then the data distribution may change over time. At one point of time, let's say, like our business is very strong with the bakeries and then a year later with hairdressers and then a year later, our customer base is dom dominated by fashion stores. Um, so, so these are things that uh, might like kill your previous assumptions because also a project like this takes time. You might, might work on this for a year or so until it becomes a feature you can release. Um, and then also very essential are priorities in a company. I mean, um, as a startup, we are always facing scarce resources and have to prioritize strictly. And if it uh, doesn't make money, we cannot pursue it. So software development is often blocked with projects just, that just seem to pay more money, um, given also all the insecurity and uncertainty that, that comes along with data science projects. Um, but if it works, then it can really be a competitive advantage because um, what you do there uh, is extremely hard to copy. So I think also uh, overall it takes a lot of courage to, to take on an endeavor like this. It, it, def it definitely does and it takes a lot of courage to actually go, go on that because the vast majority of projects in technology fail and you need to be pretty tough to, to ride it out because the culture can be, can be really impacted if you're getting used to not succeeding or if you're working on a problem really well, but the problem you're working on doesn't actually make much impact within the company that you're doing. So you're investing a lot of, a lot of different time. And you know, it's, it's great to hear about Tailhub adding value to people who aren't on a digital transformation journey or don't necessarily know the benefits of going on that digital transformation journey. And with COVID, we've seen that 50% mm -hmm. of companies now are, are on a, a transformation journey within North America. Now in Europe, that figure is obviously would be increasing. I'm not quite sure what the key stats are for, for Germany at this point of time. Mm. Where, where do you see the future of payments going? And do you, can you see some, a kind of a trend happening at this moment of time? Um, this one thing, but I, I don't think it's that exciting to talk about it, that of course, like everybody's paying uh, contactless now, but I think that's old news. Um, but I would also yeah, make some guesses about what's going to come and you can challenge it um, from first a consumer's point of view and also us as a, as a provider in that industry. So what I see from consumer's perspective is that payment itself becomes more frictionless. Like you pay everywhere, in whatever way uh, and whenever, which, which, I mean, which means we may pay later. Um, and I think that what, what we learned a decade ago when, when Uber entered the market, that you just um, go and leave and don't have actually the feeling of having conducted a transaction and handed somebody uh, some means of payment um, will be transferred to all the experiences. So whether it's online or in, in the retail world. And um, what, what I also think is a very interesting aspect is um, that we pay ever even smaller amounts by installments. 
So I, I heard from a provider in, the, in this industry that even amounts like 40 euros will be paid by installments and they see it as totally normal already in, in their transactions. So this is the pay, pay later aspect I was talking about. Then there's another aspect. I think it's, it's gonna be dominated by some platforms. If you ask me today, um, I do everything with Apple Pay, yeah, online or offline. But as usual, it's all momentarily and let's listen to this in 10 years of time and laugh about uh, how Oliver and Mark thought Apple Pay was the thing back in 21. Um, let's see what the future brings. And then another point is that maybe or hopefully crypto tokens or platform specific tokens will play a much bigger role in the future. And then there's the provider view. So, so we as a provider in this industry, um, maybe one, one, one disclaimer here, I don't want to talk about data too much at this point because I think it's, it's not the biggest news. Online and offline commerce are growing together. We all know that you, you want to track your customer journey from the online to the offline world and back and target your customers better and better. I think we are all very aware of that. But the very interesting thing comes, comes now, like the challenges for us providers, um, how do we actually make this very valuable and also subtle enough to make the consumers happy in the long term and not freak them out about how transparent they actually are to us. And then looking at, at our customers, which are not the consumers, but the, the merchants in between, our role as providers is to allow these, these merchants to participate at this digitalization process and make it very easy for them then to, let's say, to launch new payment methods, um, whether it's fiat or crypto, mitigate credit risks, manage their cash cycles. So give them access to all these tools and it should be easy and frictionless. And this comprises onboarding, the KYC process, they need transparency on fees, they want affordable fees. And um, I'm, I'm talking about this or know, know a little bit about this because Tillhub became part of a bigger payment group um, in the last year, which is called UNSA. And the aim of us and, and UNSA as the company is to build a European payment giant. And these items I was just talking about are really top of our agenda in, in building great services for our customers. Um, Oliver, you know, I, I think you, you did get a really, really interesting points because what I've been noticing more and more is that companies, mm -hmm. when you're buying stuff on their websites, they are trying to make it easier to buy through installments, to make it more straightforward rather than the one lump fee and make it easier for people. And unfortunately with the pandemic, people, some people will be negatively affected that they will not mm -hmm. be in a position to purchase like they purchased before until they maybe get back on their fees as well. So we need, we need to be more kind of conscious of that and then making mm -hmm. it very, very easy because we all want that Netflix type experience now where it just works all yeah. the time. It's on demand. You've got recommendation engines that provide just about the right content for you because they've kind of analyzed your behavior and it's 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 very very easy to use so it's 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 a very very fascinating space and it's moving so quickly you know some of the de facto leaders that you taught were, were de facto leaders now their their reign is over and everything is being questioned and you're just you know, the different players coming into the market are asking a lot of questions of how we did things in the past and even using like Revolut compared to the bank that I use day to day, mm. I'd be pulling my hair out waiting for a transaction <laughs> to approve or be processed compared to what 
Revolut can do um, too. Uh, you're listening to the AI in Action podcast. My name is Mark Kelly, Chief Customer Officer at Aldis International. And today I've been speaking to Oliver Mickler. Oliver is the co-founder and MD of Tillhub. Oliver, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks, Mark. See you for Cinnamon Bun in Berlin. For this podcast or any other podcast, please feel free to go to www.aldus.com slash podcast and check out a variety of different podcasts within AI in Action and also AI Mentors. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple and rate and review us. Love to get your feedback on the podcast series. And until next week, for more AI in Action, I'm your host, Mark Kelly. Thank you for your time. AI in Action is brought to you by Aldus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Aldus offer an exec search program. Aldus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. Get the Aldus advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all the members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career and more. Become an Aldus member and get the Aldus advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldus.com. That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International, empowering through AI.